Hey, everybody, this is Sean Pitcher with the Roots Podcast. Today we have Isaac Moyer on today. He works for Impact Basketball. I'm really excited to have him on to give us kind of a different perspective of being a sports dietitian or performance nutritionist kind of in the private setting. Um, he's also coming from England originally, um, so I'm sure he has some really good feedback and discussion to kind of give us for working with athletes from there um, and now working with athletes in the U.S. But Isaac, welcome. Thanks a lot, Sean. I appreciate you you having me on. I'm looking forward to having a little chat and uh, discussing some of these things. I just want to say the photos you have behind you are awesome. <laughs> Kobe, one of the greatest basketball players alive, and you can't get much tougher than, obviously, Tupac and Biggie in the yeah. same photo at the same time. With the with the houseplants. With the houseplants as well. <laughs> hey, you got to get your oxygen in, right? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so if you could just give us a little bit of the, again, like what I like to say on here is give us the roots behind who you are, you know, behind being a sports nutritionist, sports dietitian, who is Isaac? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think we all kind of have to look inward sometimes to, to get those answers. Right. But I think really for me, um, you know, I'm someone that's all about people, you know, as long as I can remember, it's been about family, about friends, um, about getting together and, you know, and, and really the one thing which kind of ties together every part of my life and every every jump from station to station has been basketball. So, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a small seaside town in the southwest of England. Um, and like everybody else back home, you kind of grow up playing football or soccer, as you guys call it. Uh, and I was kind of too big and too clumsy to be very good. You know, I was like the worst guy on the best team kind of thing, you know. Um, so, you know, I'd, I started kind of dabbling in some other stuff. I was walking around school one day and, um, yeah, one of the teachers were like, man, this, this kid is huge. Like, you want to play on the team, like basketball team? I'm like, sure. And I uh, go pick it up and it just comes like super, super natural. So at that age, you know, I started late relatively, that's, that's 14. And then, you know, before I knew it, like that was my whole life, you know, like I was, I was going to try out here and, you know, making the, the county team and the regional team and then, you know, getting scouted for academy. So um, at 16, I, I moved out of my house and, and was living by myself to kind of start pursuing this dream, you know. So at 16 and, and really probably a little bit before that, I went all in on basketball and just really committed my whole life to it. And, you know, and it's really given me everything back, you know, like every everything I've ever achieved, maybe not everything I've ever achieved, but in my career, at least has um, has all been through through basketball, you know. So at 16, I was I was at an academy for two years. Uh, then I came out to the States and uh, got a scholarship to a prep school to go play in Maryland for one year. Um, and uh, that was a great experience. That was my first taste of, of kind of life in, in the U.S. Um, and then kind of went back You know, I had some some college opportunities to stay. But at 19, I signed for a professional team back home. Um, and at that stage, you know, back home, you can you can play professionally and uh, do a degree at the same time. So I enrolled and honestly, like the degree, like for me that was just another way to carry on playing basketball right like I didn't necessarily have people that that had come before me that were like hey this is how you do university applications and hey let's you know this is what you should do uh basketball was like okay well this is the next logical step like okay well I'll do a degree and um the degree that I did was sport and exercise science which was great so um as I was playing pro you know I was I was learning lab skills you know we do physiology biomechanics um sports psychology sports nutrition from day one um, so throughout that whole time, uh, my whole undergraduate degree, you know, I'm playing professional basketball, but then I'm also interning and getting experience in all of these other um, aspects, which 
you know, I, I now appreciate help me in everyday life, you know? Um, so then I guess skip forward a few years and, um, again, another opportunity comes to, to play professional basketball and, and do my master's degree in sports nutrition. Um, so I kind of grabbed that by the horns and, and again, basketball has dragged me through these, these different stages. Um, and at that point I'm, I'm a fairly accomplished, uh, performance nutritionist. You know, I've been studying for, for three years already. I'm doing my master's degree. Um, and yeah, it kind of takes off. Um, I, I get into the, the applied practice program, um, which is at our, uh, at our university. Uh, and that's interning with local professional uh, rugby teams and, and soccer teams and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm also lucky where um, I had a cohort of uh, professional athletes that I could um, kind of bring in and do seminars and uh, do body comps and do little research studies on. Um, so at that point, you know, I finished my, my uh, master's degree. I've got four years of professional basketball experience um, and four years of hands-on um, performance nutrition experience as well. Um, and then at that point, uh, I get an offer to go and play in Germany, a professional contract in Germany. Um, and that was the first time ever in my life where like there's nothing else going on other than basketball. So I'm just like, we've got practice and, and weights in the morning. We've got a, a restaurant we go to for lunch and then we've got practice in the evening. And the rest of the day is up to yours. You know, you could play video games all day. You could sleep all day. Um, and most of my teammates did do that. You know, for me, I'm kind of like, you know, my, my fingers are itching. I need to, I need to do something. So I start uh, building a, a consultancy, you know, a performance nutrition consultancy where I'm like, I'm just like reading every paper, every position stand and uh, writing for supplement companies. I'm trying to build a network. Um, and yeah, and then, and then at that point, you know, I got an opportunity to come over to the States um, at the University of Georgia. Um, and I could have still carried on playing and, and it just felt like at that moment in time, uh, it was worth taking the jump over. So yeah, jumped over, was at the University of Georgia, um, working with a bunch of different teams as you do in college. Um, and then, yeah, got the phone call to, to come and, and run things over at Impact. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's just so wild how, how many opportunities being in sports can offer to you and, and being able to, again, what I really love about this too, is just making connections, right? I had never knew who you were before we connected at the conference, right? We're able to have a nice sit down conversation, talked about what each other did. And it's just like, you never know where those branches are going to go off to where two, three, four years in a line, that person give you a call or where that person can be a resource yeah. for you or help you in some different way. And, or, and for your, for your example, right. Where you said you had obviously developing that business. Well, it's like, well, now you have all these professional teams you played for or all these coaches, you know, it's like, now it's just a phone call. Like, Hey, I'm doing performance nutrition. Now, do you have anybody that needs help or I can do yeah. it at this rate, or I can help at least do provide these certain services. And it's like, now you don't have to start from square one because you have so many different people that you can get help or rely on or, or get feedback from and how to grow and develop that. Plus, right, right. just to listen to you for the, the two seconds you talked there, you know, having the, the self-motivation and ambition to do that versus the guys that are just kind of okay to settle for whatever the norm is. Like, yeah. I'm going to go to practice and I'm going to eat and then I'm going to go to sleep and then do nothing the whole day, right? It's like, how, what are you doing with those other five, six hours you could be investing in your time to get better, to sure. get better or make yourself more well-rounded, right? Great yeah. basketball player, play professionally. But now here's two or three other different things you've built off of that that you can do from that that makes you so much more valuable. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's, I guess that's, that's one of the things about me, you know, that goes far beyond my career is not ever wanting to, to be comfortable. I'm never comfortable in the situation that I'm in. I always, I always 
I'm always curious as to what else there is, you know, what else can we do? How else can we grow? How can we improve? Um, and I think that's really that, that mentality. And I'll credit my mom for that. You know, that's, that's something that, that she instilled in me from a, from a very young age, but that's something that's helped me through every single one of these things is like, okay, okay, well, what's next? How can this be better? How can we improve this? Um, and yeah, it's, it's just something that's in me. I can't, I can't help but to do that, you know? And I can agree with that too. I, I had a similar motivation from my parents coming from a, a lower economic background. It's just like that passion and motivation comes from me because it's like, I, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to live off from check to check. Like I don't want to have to struggle. So then it's like, there's, and everybody has that different push, whatever it is, whether it's a certain parent, a certain person, but it's like, it just continues to drive you. Like, I don't care whatever else is doing. I'm going to do what's best for me at the end of the day. Cause that's going to get me forward. So I don't have to end up in the situation. My parents did struggle. For sure. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, uh, I grew up in a very, very uh, similar situation. And, and honestly, that's my first like introduction to nutrition was because of that, because I had a, I had a single mom and she worked like four or five different jobs. And like, I, had an older brother that was kind of off doing his thing, getting himself in trouble. And that left me to be like, okay, well, like, like I can cook, I get all the freedom in the world. So like, okay, well, let me cook for me and my little brother and for my mom. And, you know, and my mom was great at supporting that, you know? So, you know, I, at a young age, I was in the kitchen and, and really understood the value of, of food and how that could be an escape as well of just, you know, cooking and creating something and, and kind of, you know, giving it to everybody else as well. Um, and I think that's, that's that same mentality that I was talking about earlier, right? Is that, that never comfortable is like, no, like I want better for me. I want better for, for other people. I want to be a role model for others, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's, that's something that at the time is difficult for us growing up in that situation. But when you look back, it's, it's given us skills that, that a lot of people don't get exposed to. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, again, every athlete comes from a different environment, different background, different set of parents, and it's just like the ones that typically have to struggle more at a younger age have to learn and develop a lot of those life skills early on because they are pushed into it and really have no other choice because it's what you have to do for the family, depending on the situation where, you know, if you have to hand, if you're handing everybody something now, when they get into those situations, those individuals or kids just don't know what to do. And it's like, sometimes you get frustrated sure. at them, but it's really not their fault. But on the other end, like, somebody at some point in time is going to have to step in and break that cycle or behavior because overall long-term it's, it's going to end up being a negative for them and not helping them out, whether it's in basketball or obviously whether it's in just general life. Um, Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned was you were, you had made it into like Academy basketball. So is there like a difference, you know, over in England or over in Europe where, you know, depending on the country, there's like a path, where you get you can get pushed into to play for a team to make to the national team, whereas the U.S. I know it's like we have all these AAU teams, and then or you have these huge time high schools, and then obviously that kind of leads you into positions if you're really good to to go to obviously the big colleges like SEC or S or ACC or something like that. What's kind of the difference you've seen between those two? Yes, yeah, so they. The structure is very, very different back home. Um, this kind of academy system is across the board in terms of sports. So every professional team, um, and this is the whole continent of Europe, will have levels that you kind of work your way through to get there, you know, whether this is in football or rugby or basketball. Um, so generally speaking, in England, in basketball is 
in terms of culture and infrastructure is still far behind Spain and, and France and Italy, where the these kind of steps are only just this this grassroots to elite pathway is only just really getting solidified. Um, so when when I was coming up, um, I think that was really, you know, this the academy structure was was just about kind of getting going, you know, so um, until in other countries, you can get in an academy at 11 or in, in soccer in England, you can get into an academy at about 11 or 12 uh, basketball, you can't until you're about 16. So uh, before then, you'll be playing for your school and, and for a club, like you had mentioned to AAU, we have club teams back home. Um, and then at 16, it's, it's okay, well, this is go time. You know, you can, if you get recruited to one of the, the better um, ACE programs, they were called back then, it's called the EABL. Uh, now, uh, that's like a really intensive, you still have all your, your school work, but you're talking like 20 hours, of, 20 hours of practice a week with weights and all that kind of stuff. And it's, um, you know, we would get taught about everything from, you know, financial planning to uh, sports nutrition to sports psychology. We would have these kind of workshops coming in. Um, and that's 16 to 18. Um, and then oh, from like, there, it's... As you mentioned that now, it's like where I was at IMG Academy before this, like that's literally that model or like where I am right now, like that's kind of where the model has shifted to where it's like half your day is training, half your day is school. We're trying to, what we call them here is pro habits. We're trying to provide all those different things that they may possibly get exposed to at the collegiate or the pro level. So that way they're as ready as possible. And whether it's financial literacy, whether it's media, nutrition, how to recover appropriately, you know, just trying to build that 360 degree athlete. And I think probably a lot of those different models that you're kind of discussing here, we're probably taking from all those different countries because they're, they're, you know, probably to a certain extent, they're seeing a lot better success with that. And, you know, also kids don't want to be in school for eight hours a day and then have to go practice for two hours a day. And then you get back home at sure. seven o'clock at night and then you have to do homework. Right. It's like, for sure. you know, when it looks at academics is like, is, is the four hours really more ideal and we can get more impact because they're more focused on the four hours or do we keep drawing it out for the eight hours? Who knows? It's always going to be a tough, but sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That's, that's a really good point. And I, and I think you're right. You know, I think that the Academy model um, has been around back home and, and in Europe for a long time, especially in soccer, if you look at, and it's a way of keeping the talent within your grasp, right? It's, even, you know, if somebody looks like they have promise at 11 years old, you can keep them, you know, along. And, and back then there wasn't so much support. You know, this is before I was coming up, so much support in, you know, mental health, in, in financial literacy, all this stuff, because you can end up being in an academy situation up until 18 and then never play the sport ever again. You might never get chosen for a professional team. And then, you know, we have this issue that we both see uh, so often is when, when your whole identity is, is your sport and, and who you are as an athlete. And now suddenly, well, wait a second, I've been doing this since I was 11 years old and I don't have a clue what to do, you know? <laughs> and especially if you come from one of those backgrounds where uh, maybe your parents aren't in a, don't have a degree or don't have a quote unquote career, um, where does that kid turn to now, you know? Um, who's, who's providing support there? So there's been a real shift um, in making sure that, that there are, there are seminars and, and things to help these kids see value outside of that, you know, to really, you know, work hard in the classroom, make sure that you get your grades, support and applying for university, all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's moving in a really exciting direction. Um, and I think in the future, I think the States, maybe not in basketball, but in some other sports will probably take that, that kind of model. Yeah. Well, sports your whole life. And then it's, I mean, 
like for me, for example, I played two years of just division three football and like obviously concussions basically took me away from the sport. So it's like, and I'm sure obviously you got to a certain extent, you were done playing professionally. And, you know, like we talked about, there's four to six hours, four to eight hours of your day, you're dedicating to one thing and now it's just gone. And then you're trying to figure yeah. out how do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel the rest of my time? Like I'm always so used to going to training, going to practice, watching film, right. I'm going to have games and like, you're really structured and routine because you have to be, but then it's like when all those pieces in your structure and routine are just gone, it's like, how do I, how do I fill that void? And, and well, some let's are able to take it on really well and be able to fill and put stuff in there. It's going to still make them productive and still help build and progress them. And other people just, if they don't have those schools or didn't have that guidance provided to them are lost and have no clue what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think one of the biggest challenges, at least, at least for me was when you have your whole structure provided for you, your whole schedule provided for you, it's really easy to manage your time because I might only have like at one point, you know, I would be, I would be going to wait at 8am. Then I would have class like university class up until like 12. I'd like run home, have a nap because I'm so tired, get back and do class in the afternoon. Then I'd have one practice with the development team that was two hours and then another two hours with the, with the pro team. And it's like, there's literally any time that's in between that I need to study. I need to, I don't know, call my mom, <laughs> do something. And then suddenly when, when you're responsible for all of that stuff, you know, when you leave and nobody is creating your structure, you know, trying to fit in your, your weight sessions and trying to keep yourself in shape. And now, you know, staying on top of your learning and all of that stuff, that was a huge challenge of like, okay, well, this is a real test of, you know, I looked like I had great time management because I really only had one window in each day that I could really do anything. You know, that was the only time I had. So I could, I would have to do my university work. But then suddenly when that's taken away, it's like, wait a second, I've got like, like, like all day. I don't got to do tests. I don't got to do paper. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. What, this is what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, kind of shifting towards nutrition. Like, have you felt working with athletes overseas and then working with athletes in the U.S.? Like, are you seeing any type of differences when it comes to educating them, trying to help provide behavior change? Like, is, is one culture or, or U.S. versus overseas easier than the other? Is it all kind of just they all deal with kind of the same consistent problems we see from certain age groups, certain sports? Any, any kind of feedback on that that you've kind of seen so far? Yeah, I think, I think there are some very um, clear differences. I think, first of all, I think the challenges are the same in terms of the, the spectrum of socioeconomic status. We have the same spectrum. We have very, very poor. We have very rich, and they could be in the same team. So having to flex your, your recommendations and, and be mindful of that, as well as, as providing uh, culturally sensitive um, suggestions too is, is really important. So those challenges are very, very uh, similar, but where it becomes different is the resources that are available, right? So, so back home, there is a fraction, a sliver of the resources available in sport compared to here. Um, and with that comes more challenges um, in terms of what can you provide, you know, how creative do you have to be um, in order to de deliver the message? But it also comes, you know, it's a double-edged sword because on the other side, the athletes are so much more grateful and so much more willing to kind of put the work in because they've never had exposure to this kind of stuff before we've got high school programs here in the states now uh that are handing out recovery shakes and they have their own versions of training tables and you know back home it's like you know by the time you're you're 
18, you're like an adult. There's nobody doing anything for you. You know, like you are by yourself, you're living by yourself, cooking for yourself here in college. You're still, there's an element of getting things kind of handed to you. So uh, with that, it's really easy as a performance nutritionist because it's like, okay, grab that from a fuel station, go to training table, make your plate look like this. But back home in, in Europe, it's more like, okay, well, what's your budget? Uh, what are your cooking skills? You know, where's your local store? Like, okay, well, let's try and, and make this, you know, try and cook this up in that time that you get back. Um, so those are, those are kind of some of the differences there. And I think the last one um, is the kind of education component as well. Um, I had alluded to this a little bit earlier, but at 16, uh, we start specializing. We only, we only study three um, subjects at 16. So you, are, you effectively are already choosing the degree that you're gonna go down at the age of 16. Um, so if, for example, for the course that I got onto, I had to choose three courses, which would help me to get on there, you know? So by the time I'd start university, I am just going straight in. There's no like English 101. There's no like basket weaving oh. or film studies. Or no, I was to say, don't even get me started on those. Cause like, I, I can reflect back on where I went to school for my undergrad. And it's like, we're, you're spending one to two years taking all these classes. And again, I don't want to offend nobody like what for me, like useless. Like, why am I taking 16th century French history when I could be yeah. taking nutrition classes or or cooking classes or biochemistry or the stuff that's ne necessary right from the start? Yeah. And then that way I could get through quicker through school. But no, like I you just got to spend another year or you got to take all these classes for the first couple of years. And it's like, yeah, you, you could say I'm well-rounded, but I can look back and reflect on that. I don't remember anything from that class. <laughs> sure. so how did it really sure. to help me long-term in my development and what I'm doing in my specific profession? I, I don't really know, but I'm sure yeah. that's a whole nother topic to get down to. But as soon as you For said, sure. that, oh my God. <laughs> so, so my point in saying that is that, you know, a lot of athletes went through that same pathway that I did, that, that did a, a sports science degree or a nutrition degree or something because they were athletes. So a lot of the athletes that you work with already have a pretty sound understanding of sports nutrition, like, and to a fairly high standard too, like they've done a degree in something related, you know, or are studying a degree. Um, so you can get a little bit more complicated and, and you can kind of skip over some of the stuff like what is a carbohydrate, you know, what is glycogen? And, and they would have at least been familiar um, with these. And then the other thing that I'll say is the reason why the two things are different, and you said you have to take these courses, is think about the tuition structure as well. It's very different. Back home, every university is, is state funded and it's, it's, a, it's the same tuition fee. Here, you know, it, it becomes a whole different, All over whole different ball game. Yeah. Oh, wait. We, we could $5,000 at this community college, or you're going to Yale and paying $100,000 a semester. It's just yeah, like, it's sure. just a free for all when it comes to what are you going to pay? <laughs> so, if they, so if they can charge you to do French history and film studies and you're still going to pay, then you know, that's, that's capitalism 101, right? <laughs> exactly. And, I, and, and, I, and all the stuff you're saying, like, I can see firsthand here, right? Like I've, the last place I was at, you know, we had over 70 different nationalities there. Typically those athletes, right? Getting a carb, getting a protein, getting color on their plate typically wasn't any issue, Right. We could work on a little bit more advanced stuff. U.S. U.S. athletes, they don't know even the bare bone basics. And if you look yeah. at academic system wise, a lot of places are taken out, don't have any nutrition, don't have any home ec, don't have any cooking classes, don't have any specific sports science or exercise, right? And then it's like you're, you're taking those out of schools and you're saying they're 
you know, additional things you could add, but it's like, those are life skills, whether you're an athlete or not, that you have to do every day. You know, and I think I've said this a couple of times, like you spend eight to 10 hours of sleeping a day, you probably spend two to four hours of eating a day, you're hydrating all day, you're spending 10, 15 hours on those three things every single day. So from an academic perspective, right, whether you're an athlete or not, why wouldn't you invest time at those young ages going up? Or at least in your case, right, like at least let's say the last two couple of years of high school, teaching them those things to better prepare them or financial literacy teaching them those things. So when they go to college and get their first job and like, they know how to save. And, you know, I, I saw a stat cause I, I watch, I don't know if you're familiar with earn your leisure. You've ever heard of that before. I have not. Nah. Um, great thing to definitely look up. They have a lot of different stuff on YouTube and videos on how to um, everything and anything you want to know about finances. Right. But, you know, they show a statistic in the U S and like people that are 20 to 30 years old or 20 to, you know, 20, 35 years old. Right on average, maybe only have like two to $5,000 in their bank account. Yeah. Cause it's just so much mismanagement of money or they're not calculating for if you're moving to a certain city and all the costs that are going to be associated with that. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen, right. I'll see the increase with inflation and costs there. And it's like, now you're 40, 50 years old, you still don't have any money saved. And it's like, you're 10, 15 years away from retirement. And it's like, well, how now you can't retire because you didn't have the right things in place to be able to do that. So anyway, that's another soapbox to go on too, but that's, (laughs) there's so many little things that could be better in our system, but for sure, at least we have these situations like we have to one, be able to have the format to speak on this, to be able to get that to more people. And then two, be able to at least help more athletes because if we can help athletes then hopefully they can help their families, they can help other athletes outside of what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could you speak a little bit about, kind of where you're at right now um, at Impact Basketball. I know there's a couple of locations. There's one in, I think, California, and there's one in Nevada, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. And then... Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, we, got, we got a couple of spots around the world. Uh, but the, uh, the main spot is in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, uh, yeah, Impact Basketball is, is the, the world leader for, for NBA draft prep and player development, really. So uh, they've been doing it for, for 25 years. Uh, my boss started. Uh, with, you know, 25 years ago with Kevin Garnett, uh, Tayshawn Prince, Ty Lue, um, Chauncey Billups, these kind of guys, and really did everything for them back then. There wasn't, there wasn't really any performance nutritionists or dietitians back then or strength coaches working with guys. Um, he did everything for them, you know, and, and as those guys had great careers, more and more people um, got on board. And we have hundreds and hundreds of guys that are that are in the NBA and, and head coaches within the NBA now as well. Um, so I took the job um, three years ago and, um, you know, I, I was really tasked with, with building the performance nutrition uh, department from scratch. So when I got there, it was, a, it was a basketball gym with a bunch of coaches and player development guys, you know, physical therapist, athletic trainer, and a strength coach and, and a sponsorship, a, a sponsorship. Uh, from a supplement company and everybody was just kind of like, okay, well, here you go. Here's some protein powder. Here's some, um, so yeah, for me, like your typical, Hey, you're down with your left, down with your practice, go get a shake. And that's it. Yeah. literally, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was great for me because like, first of all, I'm in my comfort zone. Like I'm, I'm in a basketball gym where, and honestly, like, there's a funny story. When I took the, when I first took the job was right. Like as the pandemic was, was looming, 
I was on the, I was on the floor. Like I was doing workouts and rebounding for guys. And I was like, literally with these dudes that just their agents had just sent them in. And we were so short staffed that I was having to do everything. Like I was coach, I was nutritionist, I was operations, I was doing everything. Um, And as things kind of calmed down, um, you know, I started building, you know, these systems and, and structure and protocols around all of this stuff. And, and, and I'll get to, to today, we're in a very, very um, different place. I've been super lucky to work with, you know, we probably had 50 draft selections since I've been there and, and another you know, couple hundred of, of NBA and, and then WNBA and EuroLeague level players. So um, I'm in a really, really lucky position where I get to work with some of the best basketball players in the world and, and help them in an area that they, they quite frankly have no clue about. Um, so yeah, my, my day to day is, is different every single day. You know, um, I did, um, you know, I've, I've done some, some consultant stuff in the NBA as well. I consulted with the Sacramento Kings for, for a little bit there. Um, and through impact, we, we actually worked with the Indonesian basketball federation as well. So, um, so I do a ton of stuff with them as well, uh, through, you know, from their seniors all the way down. Um, so I've been really lucky to get a taste from everything from that kind of performance center setting to you know, actually being integrated in a team and then at the kind of federation level as well. So looking at, um, you know, how, this, how do things change as the, as the levels go down and, and how is there some continuity uh, upwards as well in terms of education and, and things which kind of carry on. So yeah, I mean, that's a, a long answer, but there's just so much, so much stuff that I have to do here. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting for sure. It constantly keeps you on your toes too, right? Like you're getting high level athletes, MBA, pro, you know, probably professional from obviously Europe or other countries. And then it's like, you're probably also getting the high school player at the same time. So it's like, you're having to be able to be really flexible with your education and information, right? Cause you may have this set or, of, of individuals or people at this level to understand this. And then obviously guys are coming in and don't understand anything at all. Or as yeah. you just have to be able to constantly change your verbs and communication to be able to fit whoever's yeah. basically going to be coming in front of you at that specific time, which not everybody can do, you know, some people have a one, a one size fit all approach, which, you know, I don't think is going to work because literally every person individually is different. So if you're not able sure. to change from person to person or, you know, get to know them and figure out who they are, I mean, that's where you're going to create more buy-in and be able to get, get your point across at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have many, many different hats that I have to put on to communicate the same message in different ways. Right. I meet with, NBA GMs, I meet with uh, agents, I meet with the athletes, I meet with the parents of the athletes. Uh, as you had mentioned, we also have a prep school program September through April. So we have 20 19 year olds in the building too. And then there's a whole other component where we do like summer camps and all kinds of other stuff as well. So, and although I have other people that, that do that, I still have to communicate with the kids in passing and, and with the parents if they have another question. So yeah, I think that the marker of being somebody the marker of being somebody that's that's great in this this profession is the ability to be able to flex and and change. You know, to be able to you have to know your stuff at the at the highest level, but you also have to be able to dilute it just as easily and get your message across. You know, um, so those those practitioners that are still kind of young uh, in their in their profession here, I think it's really important to practice flexing those messages and having different ways of saying the same thing. And that's where you know, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of mentors that exposed me to a lot of different sports, right? A lot of different personalities. Because a lot of times you come up through sports nutrition in the U.S., it's just like you're football. Okay, great. But if you become a director one day, what if you got to work with softball or basketball or baseball? Or if you got to work with a sport that 
not everyone gives a lot of love to golf, for instance, yeah. right? Like you got to be able to speak to all those different types of people and then also understand their sport a little bit to a certain extent, like in your situation, right? I'm sure you got a ton of buy-in able to come in. You've played, you know, the game, you know, nutrition, right? So you're able to fit in a lot of different areas and speak the lingo and speak the language, right? I don't originally come from a basketball setting. So it's like, I've worked with basketball in the past at other universities I've been. So at least I had an idea of, of certain ground level verbiage and information and kind of how to conversate with people that are in that specific space. But if I had never worked with basketball before, and then I came to a basketball place and I had no clue, you're like a sitting duck, right? <laughs> because the kid, I mean, the kids and the staff are going to eat you live because they're going to know really quick if you have any clue about anything. <laughs> yeah, you got you got a very small window. That's kind of what happened to me at Georgia. Actually, I worked with um, baseball, which is a really high performing program. They were like number two in the nation at that point. And imagine like I'm coming from England. I don't have a clue about baseball. Like I might have seen it in a movie a couple of times or something, but and that was honestly a really cool experience because I knew nothing about baseball and they knew nothing about nutrition. And I, I owned that, you know, like, you know what, you guys teach me about baseball, about the culture, about the lingo, all that stuff. And I'll do the same in terms of nutrition. And it really worked. But had I gone in and tried to fake it and try to BS them and watched a couple of videos and started, oh, yeah, look, you know, what I mean, just making stuff up, then I, they would have they would have never respected me. They would have never listened to it. Right. That, that, and what you said earlier, that's the best thing you could do. Just be honest and upfront. I don't know nothing about this sport. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. It may be a simple and easy question, but it might be the same thing, vice versa, right? You don't know what a carb gives you energy. That's a simple and easy thing that I'm going to look at you and be like, why don't you know it? But if I come back at you and ask you something about basketball and you're like, why does he know about what a pick and roll is? Right. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> two different, just two different things. Like mine's nutrition, yeah. basketball. Yours is simple. Mine's simple but we don't understand that language sure. because you grew up playing basketball. I grew up with your school doing nutrition. Now we're trying to teach each other both of those ends. So now almost again, becomes like a business agreement because yeah. now you're helping each other out in each sense. So you can better understand each other. Yeah. Transactional, transactional knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I think the more, I mean, at the end of the day, like in a lot of senses, academies, high schools, colleges, pros, you know, I always like to use like your body as your business because pretty much any of those levels now, they're all business to a certain extent. So the more you can talk about business, transactions, money, how it's going to help set you up for success later on in life, you know, that's just keywords and verbiage that I found to be helpful and helpful and relatable because everyone can relate to those specific things. Because at the end of the day, what's every, every athlete want to do, right? Make money, be able to help their family out and support them, be able to not be in the struggling situation that they were before. Right. And if you yep. can kind of touch those key points that are really sensitive to them and really important to them, right. That may be that one opportunity at that time where you can kind of inch your way in to help them out. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree for sure. So as we kind of finish up here, uh, one of the questions I like to ask everybody, you know, instead of saying like, Oh, what's your favorite book or what's your favorite this, can you give me maybe like one or two people? And it could be in the nutrition world, strength and conditioning, right. Anyone that you think that would be a benefit on this podcast to go and listen to immediately, go talk to them, go listen to their podcast, go, go hit up them up on social media that could have an instant impact and help them out and would be open to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, someone um, that's always been a good resource for me, someone that had a similar pathway to me uh, and is now a, a close friend of mine is, is Charlie Ashford. 
um, who was at University of North Texas and is uh, now over with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, he might kill me for, for providing his uh, information <laughs> out here, but uh, he's a good dude, man. He'll, he'll help out. I'll give you a beer sometime, Charlie, if, uh, if too many people send an email. Uh, uh, that's one. And then, honestly, I think in terms of the, the podcast, there's a couple that, that I'm on all the time. Charlie's one is great. Um, Dr. Mark Bubb's Performance Nutrition Podcast is great. Andy McDonald's um, Inform uh, Performance Podcast is a more of a, a physical therapy uh, one. And then the last one is the Pacey Performance Podcast. Those four, and I'll throw one more in Laurent Bannock's um, Institute of Performance Nutrition Podcast. We do science. Those five will give you a, a holistic um, approach to your nutrition coaching. So you understand physical therapy, you understand strength and conditioning, sports science, psychology. Those podcasts for me will help the most well-rounded um, approach to what you guys do. Um, and yeah, just bombard uh, Charlie Ash Ashford with, uh, with messages. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that when he hears it. Yeah. Charlie, I hope you listen to this. Or, or Isaac's going to be like, hey, my episode's coming out such and such date. There's a little treat yeah. for you at the end of this episode. So just make sure you listen all the way to the end. <laughs> or if he doesn't, maybe it's best if he doesn't listen and he just gets the emails and the messages. Maybe that, that works best. <laughs> However we want to bombard us in front of him. It'll, it'll He's like, I've gone viral. I've gone viral, man. <laughs> uh, well, Isaac, I really appreciate having you on. Um, lots of good nuggets in there. Um, there's there's tons of other stuff we can talk about as well that I, I wasn't able to touch on so maybe we pop on here for for a part two um and we and we can really kind of talk a little bit more like how your system works in the future yeah uh, so if that's something you're willing to do we can have to talk about that offline um but everyone um obviously i have lots of other podcasts that i have before this you know i have about seven eight podcasts out right now um i have two podcasts that come out a month um so if everyone wants to listen to that you can go on my social media on instagram uh, LinkedIn. Um, I have a link tree. So I have all those different sites available. You can click on to be able to listen to this. I'm also doing educational videos on YouTube, just really basic sports nutrition videos there. Um, free, obviously not charging anybody for those. Again, my whole mission is to try to get out as much information as I can to teach all those different professionals, whether it's college, pro, high school levels, and just give them some kind of snippet of information that they can learn from. And then again, with this podcast, trying to have all sorts of different professionals, whether it's nutrition, strength, sports psychology, physical therapists. Um, so that way we're having a well-rounded approach and know what everybody does. And that way we can have an interdisciplinary approach when we're putting ourselves in a position where we're in these different um, environments. So thanks, Isaac. Have a good one. Cheers, mate.